With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed. And as we record this, the summer's kind of maybe about to come to an end. By the time you hear this, it will have come to an end. Well, in the sense that um, that bit of the year when there's no football on, no Liverpool matches on, has kind of come to an end. The first pre-season friendly is being played sometime today as we record this. And, um, you know, to me, that's like a good sign. We can forget about the things like the uh, tennis and things that's been hogging the TV over here. But summer's not really over, of course, because it's still going to get warm, hopefully, um, or not, depending on where you are. Maybe it's already too warm. And there's still a bit of transfer window stuff to go on by the looks of it. So, yeah, summer's not really over, but at least the footy's back itself and there's something to talk about other than speculation. We can actually start watching things again. Although, um, to be honest, yeah, I don't think pre-season's ever really... That I mean, it's like it, it kind of feeds our habit again. It sort of gets the cravings going away a little bit, but in reality, it's never quite what it's hyped up to be, is it? No. Are you saying you're not enjoying the Ashes, by the way? By all this anti other sports talk, um, I say that because I'm watching it currently on mute as we uh, discuss this. But um, yeah, the the preseason, it, it's one of them, and it like it's. It feels like forever since you last seen, you know, Liverpool playing. It was probably what six, seven weeks ago, something like that, since yeah. we last played a competitive game. Um, so yeah, it, it's all about like you know, you want to see what well, the new kits, the fellas who we've signed. Obviously, we've got a couple in so far. Hopefully, more to come. We can get to that. Um, you know, it, there's there's always a couple of youngsters in, in the lineup tonight. I'm sure, obviously, people will know by the time this comes out what the lineup was, but. You know, you've got uh, the young Northern Irish right-back, uh, Connor Bradley, playing and um, the young lad of uh, Newcastle legend Lee Clark and, and Bobby Clark playing what looks like a, a midfield three with uh, Sir Bosley and Trent. 
So that'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, as I said, when, when this is released, people will know how that's looked. Um, and then we've got another friendly in Germany before we, we jet off to Singapore, I think it is, next. And then Bayern Munich and then the mighty championship side of Leicester City, which I'm sure was arranged many months ago, thinking that you know Leicester City would have been a Premier League side still. Um, but they couldn't keep their end of the bargain up and <laughs> the other blue side stayed up instead. But yeah, it's it's one of them things where we we just all sort of, you know, get back in the groove and when you think of it, I think the season is three weeks away from now, um, if my maths is correct. Um so yeah, it's exciting times, but I suppose once we get into it, we'll all be saying, Oh, there's too much bloody football again. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like there's a game every two days or every day or whatever on the telly, so you can't win, can you, in a football sense of being a fan? No, no. I mean, whatever it is, it comes thick and fast and it costs a fortune. That's that's football, isn't it? And um, some players missing out of the squad today, um, you know, not involved on the pitch or on the bench, not in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, the, the couple include sort of Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones. I think they've only joined up very recently with the squad because they had some um, extra time off because they were with the England under-21s. Um, and there'll be other players like that. But there's also a couple missing um, who could have gone on the camp, who weren't off. But, um, well, one of them's not even gone to gone on the on the tour with Liverpool, not even travelled. And one of them travelled, but isn't at the stadium for this game. And that's Fabinho and Henderson. And as, unless you've sort of managed to do full-on avoiding transfer window speculation that, um, I mean, I try to do that most summers, but, you know, it would take a, a superhuman feat to not know that those two have been linked with moves to Saudi. And um, we did actually a podcast, a special on Anfield Index about a week ago, talking about this. And I fully expected by now that these deals would either have been done or done with, you know, I thought we'd either have sold them or <clears throat> it would have died to death, the whole thing. And um, it hasn't. So um, that suggests that there's still some big, uh, some bartering going on over, over things. According to The Athletic, um, the Fabinho deal's being held up due to uh, discussions over payment terms, and it's not clear whether what kind of payment terms there is, but I can only assume that it's how the transfer fee, the reported 40 million quid, is going to be dished out to Liverpool. Um, obviously, from a Liverpool point of view, you want as much of it as you can up front. Um, because then you can go and do something with it and you don't want it based on any sort of conditions or anything. So no doubt there'll be some to and fro in on that one. But I imagine that Liverpool are going to want to push that to be concluded or given up on if it doesn't get dealt with soon. And then Henderson, um, the talk is that we've not agreed a fee that, um, you know, basically people want him for free or very nearly free. Liverpool want 20 million. But um, however you look at it, we're going to need that money if we sell these two players because... The one thing we were short of last season was midfielders. Bringing two more in when we've seen others go is already really probably not enough transfer business. And now two going, we need the money and we need it fast because we don't want to lose any potential targets, do we? No, no, I imagine you've, you've hit the nail on the head, I guess, with the with the Fabinho one especially. like well, 40 million quid for him would be beyond our wildest dreams of what we could have ever wished for in terms of a transfer fee if we're yeah. wholeheartedly honest with ourselves. I think that's what we paid roughly what was it, five years ago, something like that. Now we got we got Fabinho in. Yeah. Um and, you know, 
we, we've often said on this podcast many a times, it's it's smart to let someone else's legs go on someone else's books. Like, yeah. let's not be paying these lads to to doss around at Liverpool, collecting handsome wages, and either a not playing or b not being able to play to the maximum ability anymore. Um, and you know, we've allowed it to happen far too many times. So it's a smart move. Um, I think you know if. If we were being honest, and I don't think at the start of summer Fabinho was one being talked about to leave, but if someone said, right, well, let, let's just pick a club here, like Inter Milan, um, because, you know, a well-established club in, in Europe within obviously the Champions League final a few weeks ago, um, Italy's not laden with money, but it's a naturally a slightly slower league. You know, players are allowed to, you know, go there, latter in their careers and, and still perform. You know, you only look at the the likes of the players who are in the Inter Milan, AC Milan teams, you know, you think of like Mkhitaryan and, you know, Alexis Sanchez, Ashley Young, who we'll come back to later on, done a stint out there. Um, you know, if, if they had come with 25 million, I think most Liverpool fans would have thought, you know what, that's that's seriously worth considering. Um, given what we see from Fabinho last year, he lost another yard of pace and it was not one that was blessed with a lot of pace um, and maybe we hung him out to dry in a few games but, but it was it was a situation where it, it was starting to look a little bit ugly um, and was the right time to cash in should the money come available but 40 million can't turn it down and I suppose yeah it's can we have that 40 million in well what a suitcase or in a direct <laughs> bank transfer or however just can we have as much of it ASAP um, and yeah rightly so can we then go on and and spend it um, we'll, we'll come to the Henderson one in a minute but you're right in terms of we've let what Cater uh, Milner Oxley Chamberlain and it looks like now Fabinho and Henderson oh, that's five outs people will argue you know Cater and Oxley Chamberlain didn't really feature much and Milner was a bit part player but we all remember Klopp's comments last year. He had eight or nine midfielders and three and throw Carvalho in there. So that makes it six because he listed them as a midfielder at the time. And we've only brought a couple in. Obviously, naturally, people will age through the squad. So you think of like Stefan Bessesic was never really mentioned and he he shone last season. And you'd imagine he gets a little bit more of a, of a role that's managed correctly um, because he's still a boy growing into a man's body. Um, Curtis Jones come of age later on in the season yeah. and he's shown himself as a potential prospect as you know a starter or definitely in the rotation of the squad so we've we've naturally progressed a couple of players into positions but we do need a couple more especially with these lads going um, and one would imagine we're being smart enough once again in our recruitment to say okay well Henderson and Fabinho can go, but we want our ducks in a row to ensure that we've got players coming in, I would imagine in the coming days, maybe week or so, um, because it would be foolish for us to allow people to walk out the door and not have a player or players lined up, especially knowing the situation. If we've got 40 million quid sat in the back pocket, you know, clubs are going to say, well, let's give us a few more quid for whatever player you want out of us. Yeah, that's it, and I think we've we've got to be um, we've got to be ruthless. There's no there's no other way around it. We've we've got to be ruthless with 
buying and selling because I don't think we 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 haven't got that kind of money to throw around. It's you know I think I get totally what you're saying because you get clubs thinking oh well they just had that big uh, windfall they've got plenty to spend but in reality I almost feel like you know we we, we we're maybe in that situation again where we need to sell to get the players we want anyway because you know that you start panicking a little bit or maybe it's just me but um from a midfield point of view if you bring the bring the youngsters into the into the thinking um and you you bring the two new boys into the thinking and you think to yourself well we have got a few to pick from here you know options to yourself whether you think they're the right ones but you know they're the players that Klopp has sort of retained and and used on and on you know, time and again. So clearly, he he's got a lot of good thoughts for them. So they're the players we're thinking of there. And maybe, maybe there's less panic at the club than there should be about midfielders. If only we could put them in a time machine to last summer and tell them why we were panicking last summer and and how how right we felt like we were proved. But then I start thinking about to when we had the sort of injury crises at the back, and we ended up having Nat Phillips coming in, and then we ended up having um, Fabinho filling in at the back, and then there was even the possibility of Henderson being dropped back and so on and, and losing a couple of players as well. It kind of, you know, lessens what we've got available in defence. I mean, Milner, you know, did fill in at fullback from time to time. And I'm not saying that these are the players you want to use all the time, but that thing about, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit overcautious, but, you know, we're sort of losing that little insurance policy that we had where, you know, if we do start having some problems in certain parts of the pitch that we've got other players that could be moved around and, and, and can help out and can fill in. Not the most ideal situation, but you don't want to, you know, ideally you don't get into that situation, but you need to have some kind of backup plan. And that's another worry for me that, um, you know, do we really want Van Dijk and Canate to play every game next season without a break when, you know, if the Europa League goes well for us we could be playing a lot of games we don't want to necessarily play it play a weakened squad in that tournament I think we should play as good a side as we can and so you know you end up with problems all across the field if you're not careful and I don't know maybe I'm just a little bit um getting a little bit panicky now with the thought of saying um you know I've gone from kind of like ah we've got all summer to do stuff well pre-season started the friendlies have started we've we're running out of time to bed players in and you know, it doesn't feel like we've done anything like the business on the way in compared to what we've done on the way out, which, I don't know, it just feels worrying. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping we have something for every red we also stock official lfc merchandise and are licensed with the premier league and uefa to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches as a listener to this podcast you can get 10 percent off everything with coupon code aipro10 just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on etsy by searching for anfield index um, I would have laid down fears in terms of <laughs> we probably didn't expect Henderson and Fabinho to go this summer in a whole honestly with ourselves like this this Saudi stuff is is a game changer in well no one really seen it coming um, you know the, the Ronaldo transfer out there was you know people just thought well, that's a bit of an odd one but you know Ronaldo is what 406 now and <laughs> still a robot with muscles but 
you know, people just thought, you know, it's it's a bit like you've seen players go, you know, like some Qatari leagues and, you know, a few years back, the MLS. I mean, this is obviously progressing in terms of its its level of competitiveness. But, you know, you think like to like David Beckham, um, even, you know, our own Stephen Gerrard went out there. Yeah. Um, and for like, you know, it's one last payday. Um, he'll go there, he'll do 18 months or whatever, get a boatload of cash and, you know, that'll be it. But, you know, they seem deadly serious about this. Um, and I suppose up until even the bids have landed, you know, whether it's via the good old fax machine or, you know, a telephone call or, you know, an email, whatever it does, when that bid's landed and someone's like presented that to Jürgen and the team going, hey, guess what? This Saudi team have dropped 40 million quid off on the table there for Fabinho. He probably jumped out of his chair and went, let me see that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be taking the piss. I know I've had my eyes done, but let me see that again. (laughs) Um, And, it, it was it was something that you know it's probably too good to turn down. It probably was is too good to turn down, and that's why it, it's happening. Um, but again, I, I revert back to you know we're a smart football team. Okay, things might not have been done overly smart in the last couple of years in terms of recruitment, but you would imagine every player in our squad has got a list attached to the name of if the worst happens, who could we get? And it won't be one or two; it'll be it'll be several. You know, like, yeah. that's the way football is. You know, you, on whatever level, the the scouting teams will be out there and constantly working and have a list of names. Should player X go? Should player X, you know, like should Virgil Van Dijk get us another serious knee injury due to a clown clattering them, and that's him done? You know, he he was never going to come back again and be the same. We would have a list of players available to go yeah. and say, right, wait, we need to target this player and that player and so on and so forth. But I'm I'm confident in the fact that we we will um, recruit for this and the flexibility of positions. I think is something that we probably will look at in terms of being able to move players about as you as you put like cleverly with James Milner for all that James Milner was. He was a he was an option to plug and play in a couple of positions, whether it was 15 minutes or half an hour, or in some cases, you know, start a game um, and, and do a job. Like how, however, his level of performance was viewed by people, that would be up to their personal opinion, but he did a job. Um, so I, I think we will. Um, and this season is now a transitional season. Like, I have said this like today to so a few people. Like last season, we went into it. Clock was adamant. We had enough in midfield, even though, as we all said, we haven't got enough in terms of quality. The quantity you might think is there, but we all know the quality isn't. Um, and we had to just sit there and take our medicine. And Clock thought he was doing the right thing because we'd come off the back of a quadruple potential season, and we all forced a couple of tweaks here and there, and that was it. We were going to go again, and we were going to clean the house. Um. And we probably got to the World Cup and realised, actually, we haven't got enough. Um, Klopp admitted he was wrong. And then, you know, it was labelled as a transition season where actually it was just a failed season. It had gone too far. We couldn't save yeah. it. Um, and now this year, we're in the Europa League. It offers the chance for transition. It offers the chance for players to come in. And if these players are going to be brought in late in the window, which it looks like now, they got the opportunity to play. They got the opportunity to develop. Um, 
lads we've already got in, whether they are starters or not, whether the young lads coming through the system or are going to be featured or not. This is the year now, which is the transition to get everything in place. And maybe next summer we're looking at, we might need one or two just to, you know, put the final pieces in the jigsaw. But we're looking at potentially flipping our whole midfield here. Like, you know, five or six out, four or five in, like probably four realistically. Um, and a couple of lads coming through the system. And you're allowed that for developments over the year. And if we go into this season and a level-headed Liverpool fan says, you know what, if we can get, you know, a challenge mounted back in the top four, make sure we're in the Champions League next season and we can do well in the Europa League and maybe a domestic cup, that'll do. And then you go again the year after and that's when you attack the title in the Champions League again. Um, because we've all had the taste and we all want it again. That's what that's the reality of it. Like we were, we were raised on trophies and coming so close and not getting them, it just makes it even more appetising to go forward in the year after. And if they're the second-rate trophies in some people's eyes, a trophy is still a trophy. It'll still be oh, celebrated. Yeah. You look at the, the fellas over the park, what are they on now? 28, 29 years or something like that. If you give them an LDV Vans trophy, they'd be buzzing with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, the last time they had a trophy, it was probably had to be engraved the old-fashioned way. There was none of this little electric hand engravers to gra- engrave your name on the trophy or anything like that. It was, um, you know, th- none of them none of them got the chance to use social media to c- celebrate the trophy win or any- anything. They wouldn't even... The phrase social media wasn't even invented, never mind the actual technology. It's so long ago. And if we're talking about stuff long ago, since they last won a trophy, we've even had that crazy five trophies all in one calendar year um back when we won the treble in the season and then we went and added the charity shield in the uh, european super cup to make it five bits of silverware in one season and none of them were classed as like you know the the, the top things we didn't win the the premier league and we didn't win the champions league but what that was one hell of a year one that i'll never forget one that anyone who was supporting us at the time will will never forget none of the players involved will ever forget it it was a crazy year and you know these are the things that being a football fan is about these are the memories that sort of cement everything that you that you love about your club into your brain and into your memories and they're the they're the events that you tell your kids about or your grandkids about or wherever it's you know these are the stories these are where they're written and um you know, you can sit across a park feeling miserable and being all excited because you survived relegation again. But in all honesty, you know, you call anything that we've won in all that time since they've won a trophy, you want to call any of them Mickey Mouse, feel free. But you know yourself in your heart of hearts, um, OK, we'd rather win the Premier League than win, um, you know, than win the FA Cup. We'd rather win the Champions League than win the Europa League. But you know what? I would not turn any of those things down if they were offered to us and we had the chance to win them. I hope we do. Um Another thing that I was just thinking though with um with Henderson really is that and you sort of with you sort of hinted at it when you were talking about Milner. Um, you know, we're saying that some fans do not like these players and some fans have fallen out with these players or gone off these players at different times. Which is always the case, I think, in any with any football club, with any player. Um, you know, I'm sure at Manchester United a lot of their fans are um thinking that, you know, they've just had an announcement that they're going to get a new captain. Um, some of them will have been thinking, giving more time. Most of them are probably thinking, no, his time was up. But a lot of them would have taken, you know, would have taken their time to get used to the idea of Harry Maguire actually being a complete waste of money. Um, you know, some of them still would have believed there was a chance for him. Um, 
I don't think we're like that with Henderson and Milner, but um, it does take time for players to kind of, for everyone to kind of fall out with the player. And I still think, surprisingly, this personally, um, and I say surprisingly, surprisingly to people who maybe um, aren't as lucky as us and that they get to go to games on a regular basis, but there's still a lot of love for Henderson. And, you know, although there's a recognition that his time's coming and his days are running out and, you know, I would say that the love for him is starting to fade. Um, it's going to be an issue if he goes to Saudi. That um, I'm just thinking all these legends that have left the club in the past, we still call them legends. We still remember all the good days. And if they left us before they started too much of the bad days, you know, we, we always look back on them with fondness. But it's going to be interesting to see if Hendo does take this offer. Oh, there's just all the political side of it, isn't there? But as far as Liverpool fans sort of at the ground are concerned, there's always loads of love for him. And I don't know, you know, I, I find it hard why that's not the case on social media. Is it just, um, is it a case of at the ground, you just feel like you've got to hide your true feelings a little bit. You've got to be supportive. Or is it really that there's this like split in our fan base? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, I, I get I've never liked Jordan Henderson as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm on. I can go back through like you know the good old days of Facebook before Twitter, uh, ten twelve years ago, and I was like questioning the Jordan Henderson signing and what did he do? I didn't see it, um, and I've never, I've never fully appreciated the the whole admiration for him as a player. I, I don't see it personally. For me, he doesn't do enough um, in that role for what I want and yeah. maybe I'm tinted of the era that I grew up with Steven Gerrard as my centre midfielder and my captain and maybe that is the you know emotional bias that a local lad who literally grew up a couple of states away from me and all he done for Liverpool and all he encompassed as a captain and Jordan Henderson is a different type of player and a different type of captain to Steven Gerrard and the comparison will always be there um, but he served the role and he done things well at times but he also didn't do things so well um, and I never ever truly understood that when Jordan Henderson has a, has a decent game it's labelled as like you know a heroic Steven Gerrard-esque performance but mm. those decent games will come you know one in ten and the other nine might be like six out of ten performances, but maybe even worse, five out of tens. And it doesn't get the flack. And I think it's I think it's down, it's down to the media in this country. An English player will always get an extra bit of leeway. You know, you you, you think of all, all the stuff that Harry Kane gets away with, for example. You know, he's England captain. He's always going to get that little bit more from the referees, from the press. Never dies. Never dies. Um, and I just think like I, I've I've never never fully bought into the fact of the whole he's such an inspirational leader and just because he's lifted the trophies he's happened to be in the position as, as a captain to lift these trophies but other players have been much more significant in getting us to them trophies because we might have won the odd thing in his early Liverpool career, but when we brought in the likes of Alisson, Salah, Van Dijk, we went to another level and we won all the big things then. And 
Jordan Henderson was the captain and okay, he would have played a role. Of course he has. Everyone else played the role in the team, but people will make out like it was Jordan Henderson because he lifted the trophy that won us the trophy and it's not. It's a team effort and people will always, if you're in the Jordan Henderson camp, say, well, he was the guy who lifted the trophies. Well, Adrian lifted all them trophies also. He just wasn't <laughs> the first in line to lift them. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of them things. It, it, a player has never split such a fan base and I think I heard a podcast that I, Correct me if I'm wrong, it might have been the one that you was on. It might have been a different one where it was because he was the first captain in the social media era. Um, I think it was the one with you and Guy and Trevon. Mm. You're um, right in the point that there's literally criticism from every angle within a millisecond of the game happening. Um, you know, when you think back to years gone by and, you know, if you went to the game and you had to wait till the highlights on match of the day and you went back to the pub after the game or you went back to your fan, family or whatever and you're like, oh, how did such a person play? If you were lucky enough, as we've always said, to be in the ground, it was only your perception yeah. until you then see match of the day. And obviously, we all know match of the day is added to the clipped highlights. So, yes, we've said many a time, it's the perception of what you see in the ground is often quite different to what you see on TV. Um but there's so many cameras in the ground nowadays. There's so many, you know, facilities out there in terms of like scouting and watching a game from numerous different angles and positions that a match can be micro-analyzed and people can see things that people in the ground can see and they can pass their own judgments and whatever. Um, so I think that has, you know, been a factor in. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Modern football and you know, people becoming so split in camps and, you know, any player within most teams pretty much will have a forward and against. You, you think of so many players in our team, like, you know, pluck another one out there, like Darwin Nunes at the moment. So he's only been here a year. He'd only been here five minutes and people were, you know, in the Darwin Nunes out camp and people oh, were, yeah. he's never going to make it. And then other people were like, you know, just give this lad time. He doesn't even speak a word of English yet. And, you know, <laughs> the, they're only human, but I think it's just a day and age of modern football that we live in where you're never going to get away from the fact that because things can be so micro-analysed and people can present agendas, can present statistics, can present arguments on so many levels and so many platforms that opinions are formed very quickly and sometimes opinions cannot be changed. But I guess... 
it comes back to the age-old thing. It's football and it's about opinions and it's why we love it because it's a topic of discussion and that allows for conversation. And look where we are now. We're on a, on a platform where we can have a conversation about football because that's what it does. It gets people talking. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, in days gone by, if me and you were having a conversation like this, it would probably be in a pub, sat on the bus, leaving the ground or whatever, whatever we were. It wouldn't necessarily be getting any kind of a big audience and... Um, and I think that was definitely the case that, and it's, and I still think it is a little bit that when you're in the ground, you're supporting your team. And, um, if you've got nothing to good, good to say, just be quiet is my kind of approach sometimes. There's many a time I'm at the ground and I'm hearing people around me, you know, really raving on about someone. And I'm thinking, you're over it. He's not that good, you know, but I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to say anything. I'll keep quiet. And likewise, you know, on social media, especially, you get all this hate for someone. And I think, um, I think the thing with, with Henderson was I always thought, my my attitude when he started was, um, oh, he could end up being a good player in. And then you think this, and then one day you realise that that he could be a good player one day. Him, time has passed. He should have been the good player by now. And I think he's always been... Um, he's never been an awful player, in my view, but he's never been a brilliant player. To compare him to Steven Gerrard, he's going to lose every single time. And... I think the issue, though, sometimes then is that, especially on social media, um, he's had he's not had a great game. Um, he deserves some criticism, and then we'll move on. Who else do, should we criticise? But on social media, it's like he's not had a great game. Why did we ever buy him? He should have gone a long time ago. Can't believe he's got a new contract. You know, and it and it turns almost spiteful. And then you get that reaction then, where there's the people. You know, all all you see on social media then is there's that side of the fence, if you like, and then the other side of the fence, and it's all just. You know, reeling off all these all these trophy wins, and you know, as you said, um, there's there's players who won medals for Liverpool who you think, my God, he got a medal. You know, um, I mean, nothing against uh, Jimmy Traore, but I, I wouldn't say that he'd go down as you know a big, massive Liverpool legendary defender that we've never, um, you know, that we're so glad we signed. Nothing against him, but he definitely wasn't in that category. I was just sort of talking about and maybe you know in, in Henderson's case it's been he's been fortunate a lot of the time to be where he is and you know really we should have we should have got better than him but um now's the time to do it and I think you know I think that the thing with him is he's fairly consistent you know what you're going to get he's gone off the boil to some extent and I think it was definitely the podcast we were doing last week we've never really known where he should play he's never really you know, he came into the club, um, a player that plays in a position we didn't have, and I don't know if he's ever really found one. But, you know, in terms of getting numbers in, we definitely need to look at look at what we're going to do. But um, we haven't obviously seen the pre-season friendly yet as we record this. Um, I'm going to predict that it's going to be a typical pre-season friendly that doesn't tell us that much, but it might tell us. Um, and it's a question we've gone on about before. Um, and he did it for England. I mean, is this is this going to be the point now? Is this the the beginning of Trent as a midfielder on a permanent basis? It feels like it could be, because that is one of the best ways to deal with this issue, as long as we've got someone to fill in at right back. Yeah, I would. Well, as we say, that the, <laughs> the, the the proof will be out there. We're, we're we're literally speculating, but judging by the team sheet, as it's as it's put out there. Um, he's in a midfield three, and you would imagine he's going to be the sixth role on his own. Maybe it's a, a diamond formation, or he's going to sit there with uh, Bobby Clark and Sabozlice playing ever so slightly advanced eights ahead of him. Um, but 
you know, we will see. Um, people will know, obviously, by the time it comes out, it's a bit of a weird one to discuss. But this is the opportunity and the time to do so. Um, and in pre-season, obviously, we we tinkered with the, the team and the formation the back end of last season. And um, that led to, obviously, a lot of success for us in terms of on-the-pitch performances and Trent's attacking output as numbers you know, for people who are interested in that sort of thing, um, went up like his, his XG went up, as you know, his effective assists went up, his shots on goal, you know, his natural position further up the field led to all this. Um, but yet, then that comes with, well, who's minding the shop at the back? Are we going to a back three? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, you know, Kanate deals with that right hand side of the pitch, which he can more than do effectively. Um, Virgil does the middle, then in that case, we need a, probably a more natural left-sided centre-back, left-back sort of role. You think of the, the Nathan Ake sort of role at Man City where he can play centre-back, can play left-back, but can cover that pitch yeah. adeptly and not a mock on Andy Robertson, but Andy Robertson's natural instinct probably is to go forward and attack and we can't leave the back doors wide open. Um so it would lend itself to that. Or if we are going to play Trent in a midfield free, as it potentially is looking today, we've got the young lad in Connor Bradley at right back. Um, we've let the young Scottish lad, um, Calvin Ramsey, go to Preston. Yeah. I think he's there now. Yeah. Um, so that only leaves us really with, like, you know, um, Joe Gomez and, and Bradley as nominated right back available options and also then Joe Gomez's asterisk also your centre-half cover with Joe Matter. so we are a bit thin on the ground Um, it it remains to be seen or is it just you know we we are where we are and Trent will play some games and line up naturally as a right back and some games he will line up naturally in the field I think that's probably the reality of the situation Um, and if we're looking for maybe a bit more security at the back and we play Gomez plus Canate and Virgil and maybe Robertson in a four and you'd allow Trent to be in midfield. That could be something that we look at. Um, but it gives us options and I think that also then gives us you know, the unpredictability factor. It allows us to change within game. It allows us to rotate positions, rotate sort of tactical setups. Which also then creates problems for the opposition. Like we we've referenced, like you know, the midfield in in seasons gone by, and I think it was very predictable. Like we could have literally said, right, the midfield today is Fabinho, Henderson, Wijnaldum, mm-hmm. and and that's that. And it was not wrong with that because he led us to success. He got us to to finals along with the other players in the team. But it was so predictable. You knew what you were going to get. You ain't going to get a whole lot of attacking output but you were going to get a lot of ingenuity a lot of effective manipulation of positions on the field allowing those players with attacking quality to shine yeah it's no um, i mean it's no coincidence is it that trent and robbo really shone around that time with you know in terms of going forward and creating chances yeah and um, it becomes you know we, we how many times to be sitting watch liverpool obviously kind of successful. We always sat there and watched them like, we just can't break this team down. Mm. Like, so many times teams come to Anfield, you know, you think of the likes of 
you know, Burnley or West Brom or whatever. And they come there and they go, right, we're playing five at the back, four across the midfield, but it's effectively, you know, a five and a four camped within 30 yards of the pitch. And then we'll play a lump up front and try and hope for an outball. And yeah. if, you know, we're resorting to slinging crosses in and you've got a couple of grocks at centre half and you're thinking, right, well, Bobby Firmino is half decent in the air. Sadio Mane is half decent in the air, but up against a couple of six foot four, dirty fellas at the back who aren't after all kicking and punching it in the air and getting away with whatever they can get away with. Yeah. We're literally banging at the door and getting no answer. Um, so to have this, you know, potential to change things up is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I think that that's the evolution of football at the moment. It's it's fashionable to be playing this. You know, Pep isn't the creator of it because it's happened many years ago. It's just come full circle. Um, but at the moment, you play with the players you've got, you deal with the tools that you've got of these players and Trent being such a creative force, why would you not use them? Yeah, that's it. You've, yeah, you've got you've got to um, you, you've got to use your best players the best way you can. And um, when you spoil it for choice, sometimes your best players are maybe not being played in their best positions, but they're still better at the sort of second choice position than some of your other options. And other times, you've just got players on the bench. And this is this is a thing we we mean you were say said over and over again last season about the need for competition for places as well. You know, you get the best out of players when they know they've got something and someone to compete against. Um, the other time, last time we were on here as well, we were talking about changing shirt numbers as well. They've all done that. Um, so I don't think there's any missing spaces unless Fabinho goes. Then there'll be a space for a number three. And I think... Um, Joe Gomez, you know, if he was left-sided, he would probably be the answer to this problem that we were just talking about in the sense that, you know, is his best position centre-back or, or right-back? Well, if he was left-sided, maybe we'd be having the same question on that side. And maybe we'd think, well, you know what, he's good enough that if we are going to play three at the back, we can use him. If we need to adapt, we can, you know, he can play more the full-back, more the centre-back, however the game unfolds. But, you know, this this is something we're going to look for. But I do think, um, I do think with Jurgen that you do get flexibility. He does look for different ways to use players and just get the best out of what he's got. Him and his coaching staff have got a big job ahead of them this season. Um, and if, if there are going to be players coming in, just having a quick look at, at rumours. And there's players like Decore from Crystal Palace being rumoured, but the talk is that um, although he cost them twenty six million a year ago, they're going to be wanting almost double that if we buy him, which again seems to be because they're basing it on what other players have gone for and what other clubs have dished out. Um, like Southampton are valuing Livia as 50 million, um, you know, and then other players we've been linked with include, and this is, there's probably more than this, but this is just a quick list. Uh, Calvin Phillips, Ryan Gravenberch, uh, Amrabat and uh, Kamara from Villa. So there's quite a few names being listed and, in all honesty, I don't know whether this is more of a sort of, you know, if you sat down now, pick a club, pick a position and say, can you suggest five players for them? These are maybe the names you come up with. I'm not sure how much of this is based on uh, on fact. And obviously we won't know for a while, but um, so perhaps you suggest oh, there are players out there if we go looking. Yeah, I would say of the names mentioned, um, going through them one by one, I think, well, first of all, you've got like Calvin Phillips. I don't think that's a doable deal. No. Um, you know, I, don't, I can't see Man City ever selling a player towards 
um, unless it was like a player walking away on a free yeah. and they were choosing us for a reason. Um, and I'm not sure I'd want him um, personally. No. You know, he's, he's not really managed to break through at Man City, so why would he you know, necessarily be overall good enough for us? Um, the core of Palace, his name's popped up in the last 24 hours, something like that. On hand on heart, he's played in the Premier League, but I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. No. Um, Kamara at Villa was available on a free last summer. You know, why didn't we do that deal then? Yeah. Um, would be a question mark over that one. Um, Lavia, obviously, won't go away. But the natural thing with all those four names mentioned is the Premier League players. So, yeah. you know, whether we're just feeding the beast of, you know, put the names out there to the press, let them, you know, you know, let people discuss them because that's who they know of. Um, and then we'll go and do our business in the background, which I hope Liverpool are doing. Um, you know, like they're, they're working on deals for other players quietly in the background and they're going to spring a surprise, like much like the Bosley deal. Um, but I think it's easy to put these names out there because, you know, people know who they are or they can go and, you know, watch a few clips of them and whatever. Um, the Gravenberch one, I think that's just one of these players who will, you know, you think of somehow who was relentlessly linked with Liverpool and never ever pulled on Liverpool shirts. Arda Toran, another one, mm. you know. These players who probably don't even come close <laughs> to, <laughs> to to seeing the city of Liverpool unless they're visiting there with another club. Um, but their names are relentlessly linked. Um, and Amrabat, I think, is the other one, the ladder. Yeah. Pure and Tina, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, looked decent in the World Cup. Um, I think he's something around like the 27, 28 mark, which, you know, if we're, we're looking for a deal for Lavia, who's 19, and then you look at Amrabat, who's 28, that would make sense in terms of, you know, you bring Amrabat in, you allow him a couple of years, and then you move him on when he's 30, 31 or whatever, and Lavia naturally progresses through. That would be, you know, the, the football manager perfect scenario situation, but we're not playing football manager, we don't have football manager cash, no. We want to know how we operate, um, so on and so forth. So, I wouldn't be surprised if the player we got was a name that was maybe being loosely linked. Like, you know, there's there's so many players' names out there, like, but there might have been a, you know, a link to a player that someone's going to, ha yeah. I told you, because, you know, if you throw enough shit at the wall, some of it will stick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we just got to weigh the waiting game, but I think, as we said earlier on, we should have our ducks in a row. If we're allowing Fab and Hendo to leave, surely we're not stupid enough to go, okay, yeah, well, oh, let's all scratch our head and have a look, look through the paperwork and see what we've got available to us. I think we're, we're probably well down the line with a player or two um, to be allowing them to walk away. Um, and then obviously have some replacements ready in the squad. Yeah, because you're going to shut the door on that straight away. Because the, the truth is, no no amount of money is enough um, if you're going to be left in the lurch. And you know, if someone came up to us when you know before when Salah was sort of not signing his new contract and said three hundred million for him, maybe we'd have thought about it. But but while we were thinking about it, we'd have been thinking, who the hell can we buy for three hundred million? Can we get anyone in that's good enough? Will it? What damage will it do to the club? You know, different players are gonna. It's gonna do different amounts of damage and different amount of upset if you if you let players go. But obviously, Fabinho, for all that I agree with you, forty million. It's like you know, hurry up, get the money quick before they change the mind. Um, it still needs us to buy someone in his place, and that that list 
you know, it's probably just, I mean, you could probably pick another five. I mean, that one's got the obligatory um, player who's playing in Germany or he's German. You know, there's usually one of those in any of these lists just because obviously Klopp and the connection. But the interesting thing is going to be, I would say the two transfers we've done this summer were decided before the actual changing of the guard happened in terms of our recruitment team. So maybe this is going to be the big test for the new people, you know, the new guy in that role to see, you know, what he's made of, what he can do and how he, how good he is at negotiating. It's going to be interesting summer because obviously he's also going to be having some involvement in the sale of players as well as, as well as the purchase and, and how those deals go along. So we'll find out, we'll find out, but, um, what we don't know yet, maybe. Well, we do. But where are these players going to be playing at home next season? Or when will they be playing at home? Um, the other day I read a story that Luton have had to delay their first home game. They've had to ask for it to be postponed because they can't guarantee that the stadium will be fully ready in time. <clears throat> They've had some renovations and it's only a tiny ground anyway. Um I think it holds 9,000 or something. But they've they've had agreement that they can postpone the first home game against Burnley, which was already not on the first weekend of the season anyway. But then it sounds like Liverpool might not have the, have the stadium ready for the new season, or maybe they will, but it's not ready yet, is it? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. No, this comes on the back of um, the announcements of the members' ticket sale, um, which I'm part of. So, in one hand, the tickets were going on sale next week. I'm on holiday in Tenerife. I was thinking, God damn, I'm going to have to sit there in the hotel reception, hoping for the best Wi-Fi <laughs> connection I can, and try and get me tickets. Um so I'm slightly relieved that I'll be at home for them, but they've delayed the sale for another two weeks um, based on the fact that the Anfield Road End has not got a safety certificate. So you would imagine that means the Anfield Road End isn't finished and, you know, the boffins who dish out these health and safety certificates um, are not allowed into sites to say, yeah, you can clear that off and you're allowed fans and general public in there and whatever. Um, the Bournemouth fixture... Off the top of my head, I think it's the 19th of August. Um, I'll double-check that now as we speak. Yes, it is. Saturday, 19th of August. So, um, you know, there's still time. Yeah, good four weeks till then, yeah. The fact that Liverpool have not submitted to the Premier League, um, as we openly know, as we record this at this time, a request to have the fixture postponed or the, the, the fixture reversed or delayed, in, in terms of when we play it, 
is potentially a good thing. Um, as you, you referenced there, the Luton one, it was, I think that's all to do with the VAR and the, the setup of their ground and being able to actually you know, be, be Premier League ready, as they say. Yeah. Um, that's obviously being requested because they know they're not going to be there. I think maybe it's touch and go with us. Um, I would imagine, given the way the ground's there, the stand has been extended. It's obviously they built the new stand over the old stand. There could be a potential maybe that the lower half, which is the old Anfield Road end, is functionable for fans. Um, you obviously then think of that's where the away fans are housed. So will they allow former fans to travel at a reduced number um, and use some of the lower tier and you know maybe just section them into that and there's a reduced home capacity for it. Um, I'm sure all these discussions are taking place, but yeah, it's it's not the best news because obviously you want to play at home as soon as possible. But I can remember when the main stand um, was built a few years back and the first home game was delayed, I think, until about the first week in September. Um, but, you know, that was... That was an impressive game. Um, I think it was Leicester off the top of my head. I'm sure I could be wrong on that one, but um, I think James Milner scored a penalty late on and we won the game. Uh, but it, it's just got to be right. Obviously, they're, they're spending so much money on it. They want to make sure Everton is spick and span, all ready to go. And, you know, if there's things like you know, the concession stands, they're going to want them open. They're going to want them ready because they're going to want the money and to pay for the thing. So yeah. if it's a case of maybe waiting a game or two, with all due respect, it's only Bournemouth. It's not like <laughs> it's, you know, City at home, like, and you want to get the game on as the big spectacle. Like, we beat them 9-0 last year. You know, that's still fresh in the memory. I'm sure we can wait another few weeks or a few months if it's got to be to play Bournemouth again and, and give them another smashing. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what they do because, as you say, the rest of the ground should be fine. I mean, you know, health and safety certificate shouldn't apply to the whole of the ground as long as there's there's everything in place to get people to and from. There's no weird issue. Um, wouldn't be surprised if it's been held up by someone, it's someone who supports a club that's got a new stadium being built that hasn't, doesn't know yet what league they'll be in when they get to actually play in it. Um, you know, maybe someone like that's been a bit bitter about it all because they're a bit bitter about everything, but I do think it will open in um, the the first time I can recall a game home games being delayed for Liverpool was actually well before your time back in 1987 and um, there was a sewer collapsed under the cop the old standing cop so it couldn't be used um, all I can think of is it's a good job it collapsed you know not during the game um, I don't think it was quite as dramatic as that but basically they had to they had to wait and I don't think we played our first home game till September, early September. And um, in fact, it might have even been mid-September. Um, and I think, in fact, um, that was like, that's how long it was before we could see like the, the new look forward line that we had, which was Aldridge, Barnes and Beardsley, which was, um, you know, the first chance for all three of them to play together at Anfield. So that was a bit of a delay for that. But, you know, all good things are worth waiting for. And whatever happens this season, I'm sure that'll be the case. I mean, the main thing is that um, I would imagine one reason they're not doing the members sale as well is if worse comes to worse, anyone who's got an Anfield Road season ticket maybe maybe is going to get asked to sit somewhere else for a bit, which would mean they can't quite give away as many 
um, well, not give away. Don't give anything away. They can't sell as many <laughs> members tickets, you know, um, but we'll see, obviously. Um, it's all money, isn't it? Um, the tickets have gone up as well, haven't they, for this season? Uh, a pound a game. Oh, it's not bad then. Every seat in the ground has gone up a pound a game. So if you were in the main stand, um, they naturally all went up when the the built that new stand. So I think the price range um, is fifty two to fifty nine, depending on the tier of the game. And obviously, there's a few what they call local members. Tickets available for nine quid, which basically means you are sat on row ninety-two in the very top corner of the main stand. Yeah, with a very, very good eyesight if you can see what's going on at the far side of the pitch. Um, but yeah, I think it. You know, fifty-two would, is like the top price ticket, which would be games. You know, you think of like Luton, um, Sheffield United, and then obviously ranging to fifty-nine is like your tier one games, which is like you know like City and Everton, example. Why Everton are not purely based on. Um, who they are rather than what they are. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, I, I sit in the cop or stand in the cop, I should say, um, in the safe standing seats, which, uh, if people don't know, have also been extended further down the cop. So they start at the back and they're slowly working their way down. So I think last season they were down from like row, at the furthest back, I think it goes back to about row 70. It was roughly down to about row 50, 55. I think they brought it down to about row 40 now, so half of the corporate team, which now will be safe standing, which is good. Um, but tickets in there are around about 39 quid at the back and I think the 42 quid further down. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's not it's not cheap, but, you know, I, I look at the premise of, you know, I like to stand there. I'm, I'm more one for the atmosphere. Um, if you can save yourself, you know, Three cop game tickets is the price of two main stand tickets. Um, you know, you, you've got to look for bargains in this world, and um, I'm there for the atmosphere as well. So I'll be looking forward to hopefully getting lucky. Um, but I might also try and be in that Anfield Road stand because I like to see things from behind the goal. It's how I like to view the game, and I would like to see what facilities are available in there because I'm sure they will be um, top of the range and not like the. Uh, facilities available in the cock as we, as we all know <laughs> yeah the cock yeah um well, i went up to st james's park um recently and they had because um, i know in the main stand you've got these uh amazing machines that'll dish the beer out it fills the beer from underneath um i don't think it's about quality it's about quantity in that case but uh, st james's park they had like vending machines outside now i don't know if they have that for the game or if that was just because there was a gig on um but i'm thinking you know <laughs> You've got European games where, I don't know if it's still the case, but wasn't it the case that you couldn't even sell alcohol at one point on a European night rather than you couldn't drink it inside of the pitch? But um, I don't know if that's still the case. But, you know, they, they sort of clamp down a lot, UEFA, on, on what you can drink. Um, they find other ways to fleece you of your money. But then at St. James's, they're just basically, you know, they're just selling it on the street to you before you go in. Um, this is one way of making money, isn't it? Yeah, um, you, you know, you know, you can't, you can't backdoor beer through a Saudi um, for sovereign wealth fund when you know Saudi's a country that doesn't endorse alcohol. You've got to find other ways to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think what they did, if that gigs anything to go by, what they're trying to do to discourage the drinking of alcohol is to basically price you out of it because. Um, 
what was it? They were selling, you could buy a pint and there was three, three options of pint. There was a cider, a sort of, I can't think of what it was, Madre and a Carlin, something like that. And £7.50 a pint. Or you could buy a two pint plastic glass thing for 14 quid. So, <laughs> my God, prices have gone up. And I was just going to say, like, you're talking about the prices of the cop now and so on. When I, when that 1987 game would have happened, that first game of the season, it would have been between 250 and definitely less than three quid to stand on the cop and probably about a pound for a pint in the pub outside. So, you know, things have definitely gone up. But I don't think, apart from St. James's Park trying to prove me wrong, beer has not gone up as much as. Uh, as tickets but um be interesting anyway to see whether we need more alcohol before the game won't it because um definitely last season you could have done with a drink to get us through the game but i'm feeling confident um despite these worries about the midfield and even try not to think about tiago when he having a year left on his contract and what that could mean but um maybe it's optimism but for me without seeing a pre-season ball kit yeah i'm feeling confident i really do feel like although it's going to be a transitional season, that we can really do something this season. I don't think we're going to win the league, but I think we're going to start getting back to where we were before and really taking steps forward. And more than that, I think we're going to be fun to watch again. Am I Am I just being a bit sentimental? Have I got good grounds for that? No, no, I'm on board. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, you look at what we've got in and around the squad in terms of, you know, Fingers crossed, touch wood, Everton, that, you know, we have a healthy or healthier season in mm. terms of injuries. So, you know, we, we'll have a fully fit Lewis Diaz back. I know he came back last season, but he was never yeah. 100%. Um, a Darwin Nunes, that'll be more settled and integrated. You think of, obviously, it was well documented over his English and stuff, but, you know, let, let, let's send let's send a said journalist over to you know, Uruguay and drop them in there and say, yeah, off you go, fella. <laughs> you you learn how to do with yourself over here. Um, so, and, you know, we've brought in attacking midfielders who have got goal output, which is not what we've not over, overly had in recent times, as we mentioned, of the functionality in the field. Diogo Jota hopefully can stay fit. Um, Mo Salah continues to, great cheese on his abs because that's just the way he is we've got the excitement of Trent in this potential new role um, you know we, we've got so many exciting things going on you've got Curtis Jones Harvey Elliott coming back from this England um, Euros win and, and fair play to them like they both had impacts in that Curtis Jones especially mm-hmm. um, you know there, there's a lot to be excited about and will we win the league probably not but I look at Arsenal last season where they, they attacked the first half of the season and we've said this before, not on one at Christmas, but you know, people had them down as this amazing juggernaut that were flying through the league because they were doing so well. They were doing so well because they were playing the Europa League with, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the backup players and youngsters and there's no reason why we can't do that ourselves and we've got quality in the depth of the squad. We've got youngsters there that we want to see use. So use them in the Europa League and allow for the first half of the league season to be your A-class first-team players playing you know, maybe once a week and, and keeping them fresh and keeping them sharp and not flogging them and allowing for, for rotation and allowing for us to get, a, get our noses in the conversation because I think that's that's all where we want to be. We Last season really hurt. And right now, 
we just want to be back in that conversation. Like come come March, that we you know we're close and we're competitive. We we might not win it. We probably won't win it, but we want to be close and competitive. Like we can't allow City to walk league year after year because no. of how they're run and how they're doing things. It's it's cheating and it, it it's blatant cheating. But let's do our goddamn best to give them advice because that's what we will do and we've proven we can do it in the past and let's get back to doing that and. You know, we've proven if we bloody the nose enough, we can take things off them. Um, let, let's get back to that. Yeah, definitely. I hope so. I mean, it's been, yeah, last season was hell. We've had other seasons that are hell. But, the you know, as we said earlier on, winning trophies is great. Winning the bigger trophies is even better. Um, but you know what? Every every week when you watch your team, that game, that day, that match, that occasion, they, they're the memories as well that stick in your mind. 7-0 against Manchester United may not count for anything when you look at Liverpool's history books in years to come, but anyone who's sorry won't ever forget it. And, you know, there's there's loads of games like that, and that's what I'm hoping for this season. Loads of games where we win well, where it's enjoyable, where it's exciting to watch, flowing football, um, the new lads up front that aren't really the new lads up front, you know, all of it just working out and just just hitting the right spot. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident... Um, and you know what? There's so much to look forward to, and I'm so glad summer's nearly over. But for us, for now, we will keep doing these podcasts until summer's properly over. Um, and it's not long, is it? So as for now, though, as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.